2: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now, or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
3: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
4: My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We
2: are joined with our guest producer, Max Freight Train Williams. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. You know, guys, and fellow conspiracy realists, it seems like years ago now, oh, wait, it was, when a particularly terrifying virus locked down the world in a global pandemic, Uh, and we got a lot of mail you'll remember, from people saying that we had, quote-unquote, predicted a global pandemic years before. And that is true, but it's a little overgenerous. We just looked at the numbers. We did a little bit of cocktail napkin math, and we knew that a pandemic of some sort was inevitable. This time around, it came in the form of COVID-19, and there's been, uh, you know, been a little controversial, I guess you could say. (laughs) But right now, 2023, years after COVID officially hit, what we on this show and what the rest of the world cannot figure out is simply this, where did
4: it come from? Here are the facts. I mean... From the start, it was sort of sketchy, the whole thing. And the the sketchiest part, I think, was that different governments kind of disagreed like there was all of this lack of common ground, you know, in a global pandemic. As far as like where the thing came from, from the get go, people thought there was something amiss about COVID nineteen. So here's kind of the rundown of what that what the scuttlebutt was from the start: SARS, cov two street name, uh, COVID nineteen, uh, aka the Rona, aka Corona. Uh, any number of, of uh, you know, colloquial uh, kind of versions of that. First officially hit human beings in Wuhan, Hebei, China in December of 2019. Or w- was it November or was it 2020? This this timeline has been a miss from the start. Mm -hmm. Y'all will recall that January, February of 2020, I was pretty sick with something that I think I later determined after getting a positive antibody test, once those became available much later, to have been COVID. And I think we all knew people that were sick earlier than the official timeline would have said was possible. Now, not to call Matt nor myself paranoid
2: or whatever, but I do distinctly remember us in the studio going, you sure that's not COVID, man? Are you sure <laughs> it's like yeah.
4: well, but, but we were still in the stages of like, is it here? It's not here. We're hearing about this as a thing that mm-hmm. happens to other people. Yes. You know? And and even like our, our lovely uh, office manager at the time, Tamika, who's now moved on to to other roles within the company, was looking at me askance, you know, oh, yeah. kind of like being extra cautious, but not like at the point of like, you gotta go. You know what I mean? Because I was sniffly and I was in the office, but it was this thing that I get every year around that time. And I was just being careful, but it was also like, it was not at that level of of paranoia that we all soon came to uh,
3: experience. Well, maybe not for you. Okay. I remember hey, distinctly, Noel. With the, <laughs> look, man, behind closed doors, Ben and I can be a little bit on the hypervigilant vigilant. Uh, what do we call it—a spectrum? <laughs> when it comes to things like this, <laughs> I remember yeah. we had conversations. Ben, there was there we were still looking at our conspiracy around that time, and that's when we learned about Doctor Lee Wen Lee Wen Liang. Li I think is how you would say it. It was a doctor who was, you know, who was called a kook. He was a whistleblower uh Early on, and he was saying, hey, there's a new SARS thing. It's happening right now. It's infecting a lot of people. It's real. And he got shut down quite a bit. And he ended up passing away in February of 2020, which is around that same time uh, that you had your New York trip. No,
2: Well, also, you know, there's clearly a fog of war thing going on. And we... The three of us folks, uh, actually, our whole Stuff They Want You Know team, which includes you, we were operating with limited information, and we only knew a few things. One, something dangerous was sweeping the globe. Two, a lot of power structures were not telling the entire truth about it. Those two mm-hmm. things are indisputable facts, and from them springs conspiracy. Like when we're we're talking about, like, but lest anyone uh, denigrate us for talking casually about one of us having like having a cold. That's how it presented, right? Lest mm-hmm. anyone right. say that we we weren't up on our p's and q's. There, you have to remember that. First off, we know each other really well. We hang out all the time. We can tell when something's off. And secondly, uh, we, like the rest of the world, we're not read on to some top secret data. We didn't have clues, you know? And later investigations would prove that the purported or the proposed official timeline that first came out was woefully incorrect and, I would argue, partially by design, ABC News reported that the American National Center for Medical Intelligence, or uh, which is a thing. Are uh, you okay? <laughs> right? okay. They, uh, they, shared, they shared some info they had, and they said, look, as early as November of 2019, people had clocked that there was a new sort of respiratory disease in the area. The Pentagon at the time denied this, the U.S. government did not agree. And uh, then fast forward, March 2020, the public learns that the Chinese government had records suggesting that the first case of COVID-19 infection could be traced back to a 55-year-old resident of uh, where he mentioned, Noel, Hubei, uh, on 17th, November, or November 17th.
4: It certainly doesn't appear to be as extreme an example, but I can't help but think about Chernobyl and how that information was siloed to, to such an alarming degree, uh, and how how much it was held back, even despite you know the the way it could have potential impact to other parts of the world, um, because nobody wanted to admit that they had done anything wrong in the Russian government.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So it goes, right?
3: Nobody wants Indeed. to stand up and say, "Ah, oh, that was me. That was our fault." Jeez. Ooh. party
2: foul, my bad. Yeah, <sighs> should probably get fired. <laughs> we'll get you another island. This one will have four miles. Don't worry about it.
4: Better idea. Let's pin it on this uh, intern. We'll get we'll get them fired, and then I'll get a commendation.
3: How about or, that? or literally just better. say uh, we we don't know what's going on. Ah, there's a there's a wet market. Over there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. And let's pretend (laughs) that 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 doesn't exist in other countries, right? So one thing is inarguably clear. The people in power knew something was hinky, to uh, borrow a phrase from our pal Chuck over at Stuff You Should Know, and they didn't disclose it to the public. The government of China also fed the flames of speculation and allegation because they stonewalled the hell out of everything. And as the months wound on people with very limited access to information started arguing all kinds of stuff. Was COVID-19 a zoonotic or animal-to-human infection that was caused by low sanitation standards at the Hunan Seafood Wholesale Market? I mean,
4: it's not the cleanest place, but uh, we have Waffle House in the South. So who are we to judge? (laughs) And wet market is just kind of like a colloquial, sorry, I keep using that word. That's my word of the day, I guess, sort of expression for what? Just an open air seafood market that's maybe a little on the touch and go side as far as standardized uh,
3: sanitation laws. Not just seafood.
2: Yeah, yeah. Great point, Matt. It really just means a market that sells fresh things, fresh meat, fresh fish fresh produce. Uh later evidence would come to show that the Hunan seafood wholesale market also was illegally selling some life forms up to and including the notoriously adorable raccoon dog, mm. aka tanuki. So,
4: oh, that one, the Mario yeah, one,
2: old big balls. Mm, so, right. so for for most of uh the discourse in the following years, scientists have maintained that the virus probably jumped from an animal to a human at the seafood market at some point in mid to late 2019. And a lot of research about that has been published. But there are other claims, also from legit scientists, arguing that the virus leapt from humans to animals rather than the other way around. And that research, some would argue gets shut down more quickly or is less likely to be published. Or there's the other idea, was it the result of secret experimentation in a nearby lab facility, possibly even a biological weapon experiment gone wrong? Well, there does happen to be the Wuhan Institute of Virology, right in that neck of the global woods, and they conduct uh, experiments and research on coronavirus, in various animals, including bats, which is where the Wuhan bat thing took off. That's where it originated. And then there's, of course— Well,
3: they they specialize in gain-of-function research there. Yes, and Matt, what is gain-of-function? That's changing a virus, making changes to the virus to make it more uh, potent or uh, have the ability to infect other species or to infect in a different way. Uh, through different means, and it's literally a way to test for um, contingencies, right? So if you can make, let's say, SARS scarier to humans, SARS of a particular strain that can now infect humans because you made it infect humans within your lab, right? Now you can test that out on human cells, and you can come up with Okay, well, here's how infectious this would be if it did become pathogenic for humans, right? Right.
2: Yeah, and an excellent, excellent explanation of that. Uh, this could also, if you want to be crass, this could be a bunch of people sitting around in a lab and saying, Ugh, "Our boss wants to know what would happen if herpes was airborne." So
3: fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like but a no. party game. But this is a very real thing. We're going to talk Mm -hmm. about it. But this type of research, while it can be extremely dangerous, can be extremely helpful in the case of a, a major problem or a pandemic. If it's contained, <laughs> Properly. Right, right, right,
2: which we're gonna we're gonna get to. That's a huge piece of it. Uh, I'd like to give a special shout out to one of my favorite pet theories, unproven at this point, but it's just a juicy Uh No, no, not yet, not yet. Well, maybe. But here's the idea: the one of the third, one of the third theories for the origin is that it could have not only been designed, but it could have been planted in China via the actions of a foreign rival government? And if so, how would they do that? How would they have access? Why would they do that? <laughs> because as as we see, COVID, um, COVID draws no ideological distinctions, right? Uh, a person who is super into the US will get infected just as easily as a person who's super into Iran or Benin or China. It really doesn't matter to a virus. Viruses are kind of on the edge of what science does or does not consider a living thing. It's nuts. So, the world's struggling for answers. No one can 100% confirm anything. Of course, racism rears its ugly head, and the United States alone, prejudice and attacks against Asian Americans skyrocket. And continue today, uh, because people just had this sort of weird association in their head, like, oh, there's a person who looks like their ancestors at some point were from Asia, and I know that China is where the coronavirus came through, so I am going to ruin everybody's life today. And this is scary because people were reacting from a place of fear, and they were just trying to channel that fear and anger toward other innocent people, which happens all too often. As we're recording today, there was another mass shooting in Nashville. So the world only knew one thing for sure. They knew that COVID-19, however it came to be, was on a very deadly world tour and it didn't take long for it to up in society, right? It hit every continent outside of Antarctica. Do you guys think it got to Antarctica? Uh, I think it maybe did. <laughs> it looks like it. I'm oh, just wow. we're cooking live right now, but according to science.org from November of last year, yes, McMurdo Station had an outbreak of COVID. It's hit most of the world at this point. As a matter of fact, a few years back, I can't remember if we talked about this on air, we speculated about which human communities, if any, would not encounter SARS-CoV-2. And we found that, you know, the most likely candidate is probably Sentinel Island at this point.
3: Yeah, man. Probably like uh, the only one. Best COVID prevention uh, weapon is an arrow, bow and arrow. Right,
4: <laughs> or at the very least, severe isolation from the outside world. Bow and arrow, the original vaccination, uh,
3: yeah, and the original birth off. control. Get away. away, get away.
2: Do check out our earlier episode on Sentinel Island. It's an amazing story. But what we're saying is, it spread everywhere. And your faithful correspondence here when we were recording our initial episodes on COVID, we were also working with limited information. And I think, I want to speak for everybody on the air today, but I, I know that I fell into a lack of objectivity on some aspects of this because the I, I, I find racism so fundamentally unclean that when that I started um, – I started thinking in terms of association rather than in terms of facts and dismissed some of the lab leak stuff uh, earlier than I should have. And that's my mea culpa. Uh, and we're going to see that at play today too.
3: Well, let's talk about that. Cause I, that's something the BBC points out really well in some of the reporting that they've done over the years at the time uh, early on in the pandemic the president was coming forward and publicly speaking about things like the lab leak, right? And depending on how you felt about that president and the way he spoke specifically about China, and I know that's a, it's a little strange to think about it, but some of the other public statements that the president had made about China seemed to be very negative in a way that would almost be considered racist, if not fully considered racist, uh, that... It changed the way I think the American public felt about a statement about something mm. like the lab league.
2: And COVID, despite ideology and racism, and I would argue racism is just another flawed ideology. Uh despite all these trappings of human society, COVID being a virus, spread. It didn't get stopped. It continues to spread today. And honestly. The scary part, no one's sure what sort of long-term consequences are in play. This virus is unpredictable because, you know, for some people, if you're fortunate, it's on the level of a cold, a time so tame, you might know you are infected, and then it progresses all the way through a spectrum where it can be a fatal condition. Currently, as of March 2023, almost 7 million people across the world have officially died due to covid and To be quite transparent with you, that number is likely far higher. People are a little bit spooked about digging in. And no one's quite sure what long COVID means for the world. Vaccinations came into play. Big Pharma made a fortune. Around the planet, people politicized the idea of vaccination. Uh, But despite all this, let's see, let's name some cover-ups and conspiracies real quick. So despite A, initial cover-up from the Chinese government, true, B, the conspiracy amid politicians to make bank off insider info, also true. C, price gouging, true. Uh, D, the PPP grift, true. And everything else, the world started to seem like everybody kind of agreed. COVID came from the seafood market. The Chinese government, their uh, cover-up that continues, helped the thing spread. But there wasn't a realistic way from stopping it from spreading And everybody said, okay, we're in a crap spot. It came from this this seafood market or this wet market, and we have to figure out how to help humanity survive until that is quite recently when the United States came out and said, hey, the biggest conspiracy theory is true. COVID-19, they say, came from a lab.
4: What, U.S. government? (laughs) Way to complicate things. We already kind of, we already put that one to bed. No one was even talking about this anymore. It's weird. You know?
3: Oh, man. Yeah, there's there's reasons we're going to get into why maybe all of a sudden stuff's changing. The only thing I would add to that list, by the way, Ben, is mRNA vaccine technology was approved during a state of emergency.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was rushed Right? Like it was sort of like a, a special situation where they were able to kind of like fast track it.
2: And you get in situations. We're going to go in an ad break situation. We'll be right back. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials
3: cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it.
5: From iHeart Podcasts. It's
3: like the police knew who he was before they got here.
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: Here's where it gets crazy. In February of 2023, FBI Director Christopher Wray spoke on Fox News and said the following.
3: The FBI has for quite some time now, assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab leak incident in Wuhan, as in Wuhan, China. Uh, This is a clip you can hear right now. It was, I believe, on CNN the first time I heard it. It's also on BBC. You can find it everywhere.
2: Yeah, and this is not the same thing as, you know, the trope of a crazy uncle on Facebook or some anonymous armchair expert on Reddit Director Ray has access to things the vast majority of the U.S. and the world's public will never see.
4: But, but, like, who asked for this? Like, I mean, was there some sort of ongoing investigation that we were all waiting on the edge of our seats for a response about? I don't think so. There
2: were ongoing investigations. Well, sure.
4: But it wasn't a big PR move. It wasn't like, we're going to get to the bottom of this, the American people, and you just wait. You know, Uncle Sam's got your back. I just feel like it kind of fizzled a little bit. And if there were, of course, it would be happening internally. But usually those things are used as like a PR bludgeon, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, the thing is the classification, honestly. Like, they can't They can't say, ooh, we're finding out something super secret, super special, and we just want you to know that we're not going to tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. We're doing it, but that's all we can tell you. And that's Ray confirmed as much when he he got pressed on this question in the Fox News interview, and he said, quote, there's not a whole lot of details I can share that aren't classified. Yes, we know. Technically, he should have said there are not a lot of details, but he's got a lot of stuff going on. It's
3: a weird situation, right, for the director of the FBI to come out and say that publicly. Because it, in February of this year, of 2023, hmm, why? Because there are a whole lot of people on the internet that you've probably encountered, maybe even people around uh, last Thanksgiving's dinner table, who said the same thing but were probably slapped down by everybody else. You're like, come on, man. It wasn't a lab leak. That's crazy. Or you're racist.
2: Right. Let's exercise empathy and realize, you know, imagine you're one of the people who for years now has been convinced this thing came from a lab somehow, and you've been dismissed as a wingnut. People are calling you racist. And out of nowhere, it seems, the FBI goes public and says, no, yeah, no, he's right, though. It's not... Uh putting aside politics and everything. <laughs> this is some mad science and it came back to bite the planet. Uh, add to that, you know who else obviously agrees with the FBI? The Department of Energy, this is do- uh, this is documented in multiple sources mm-hmm. and you cannot read the original report currently because it got classified too. Uh, it's nuts. Because outside of DOE and FBI, you're not going to find confirmation of this belief from the CDC or the CIA or the NSA, NIH. the NIH as well across the pond. It, Uncle Sam is divided on this. And currently, the alphabet boys do not agree on COVID's origins and the streets are watching It is It is nuts how much geopolitics can end up being like a bunch of people who live in a bad neighborhood keeping an eye on each other in case someone's trying to get over.
4: I mean, isn't there some inter-organization like kind of communication that would help prevent what seems like such a foot-in-mouth kind of scenario like this? Like our own government doesn't agree and outwardly doesn't agree on something so— significant, just seems kind of embarrassing.
2: Yeah. Well, we we also have to remember the case, this will be important later, um, a case we recently explored wherein a guy who was the uh, special agent in charge in New York, he flipped for the Russians, and even before he flipped, he was using his position and influence to try to sway the 2016 U.S. election. So... Just because someone's a, a bureaucrat and part of an unelected branch of government, it doesn't mean that they don't have they don't have a thumb in the pie of politics often. You know, they can they have agendas, they can have horses in the race because they're people. Mm, politics. Sorry. Yeah, I mean you got me with that pie metaphor. <laughs> right. Uh okay, so also China is not helping. We're not being xenophobes or whatever. We're saying China is kind of shit in the bed. Just kind of shit in the bed. That's what they're doing. Uh and they're very sensitive about this. Uh not too long ago, China put out a gangster warning to Elon Musk. You guys remember this one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
4: it was it was pretty serious, right? What was it? Wasn't it kind of it was accusing him of like slander as kind of language in some ways, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. I, I don't know this, guys. Tell me about it.
2: Uh, so China has a many state-run media properties or arms, if you want to call them that. Elon Musk, um, who is probably most famous right now for being in charge of Twitter, he tweeted some stuff about this uh, lab leak theory, uh, specifically the Department of Energy's reporting. I think he was tweeting the stuff that came from Wall Street. Journal. Someone fact checked me on that, but China reacted pretty quickly, and they said in a Global Times article, which you can read, uh, it's it's in Chinese. Uh, they said, "Elon Musk, are you breaking the pot of China?" That's the English translation. And it, uh, there are two ways to interpret this. You could see it as something very gangster, like, "Hey, you you busted my balls over here, Musk." Musk you bust my balls. Uh but the idiom breaking the pot is kind of the Chinese equivalent of something even more gangster. It means biting the hand that fed you.
3: Sure. <laughs>
4: yeah. That's a big no no. Or, you know, poop pooping where you eat. Right.
3: Other- well, I mean, where where do you buy expensive Batteries that you put into your electric vehicles, or you know, your your huge, expensive what what do they call it? The battery storage units that he's now selling. Yeah,
4: yeah, they've had those for a while. The ones that can store energy back from the solar panels, you know, from from, and put it back into the grid or whatever. But like, if we've learned anything from shows like Silicon Valley or uh, any kind of shows that talk about uh, manufacturing and tech and all that stuff, it is a delicate dance doing business with country, with a country like China. And it, it is all about diplomacy. And it is, you don't just get their business. You have to, you know, prove to them that you're going to be a good partner. And,
2: and, and, and okay and maintain, with
4: intellectual theft. It, also that, and also but maintain a sense of decorum, you know, around these kinds of business dealings. And <laughs> that is exactly something that Elon Musk is not very good at doing. Face is big. Face is a big deal. Public appearance
2: is a big, big deal. All right, let's get to the bottom of it. The world's burning down. We're still doing our little podcast, so let's figure it out. Did COVID come from a lab? If so, what happened? To really drill down into that conspiracy, we have to first clean our own house and acknowledge some serious issues with the FBI and DOE reports. DOE never said they had 100% confirmation of the lab theory, in fact, they, they said it was kind of mid, is, is the way they would put it. They, they essentially said, this is plausible, and we believe it's a possibility. But you're not going to read that in the headlines, because that won't get the clicks. FBI Director Ray, we already said, he claimed his info came from classified investigations, DOE report classified as well, plus the part that I never see in reporting about the DOE When people are standing it, when they're fanboys of something that agrees with their kind of preset beliefs, no one's really asking, except for a few people, no one's really asking why the Department of Energy, of all places, is weighing in on a global pandemic. You know what I mean? COVID's not attacking the light switch. COVID's attacking the human.
4: That is a good question. Um, and and just, just really quickly, to backtrack to something I said earlier, I, I wasn't totally talking out of my backside and saying that there was, for a time at least, some pretty significant disagreement between certain branches of the government about, like, where COVID came from. You're 100% right. Okay. Just making turn. Sure.
2: It continues today.
4: Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
2: We, we found the answer, though, as to why the Department of Energy is weighing in, and it turns out it's actually
3: part of their remit. Remix? <laughs> no, it's not a remix. Do uh, you want to hear something creepy? Here, here it goes. Yes. Quote, as part of its mission to track and mitigate the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction, er? the DOE here, you could say this, specializes in the study of biological weapons such as viruses. Huh. Yikes.
4: That's almost like a, a bit of a tell, well,
3: isn't it? No, you know what the tell is? Mm. It's what the place is called. Hit them with it, Ben. What's it called?
4: <laughs> uh, street name Z Division. Z definitely for zombies, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> World War Z type No, I'm I'm I mean, it's like that's I love government statements like this that on the surface feel so banal and innocuous. And then you drill down just a tiny little bit like, wait a minute. It's like it's like designed for you to just kind of ignore like the the, the, the important part, like they like, kind of bury the lead. Mm. Uh, weapons of mass destructions, biological weapons such as viruses. They're not exactly saying they think COVID-19 is a virus. They're just saying they do their homework, right? They check all the boxes in this pursuit. But they're not not saying it. Yeah, the Department of Energy
2: has this super buttoned-up group that dates all the way back to the mid-1960s and, and you know, the Cold War days to evaluate all this stuff, including yeah. the possibility of biological weapons, which makes me think of the hammer and nail conundrum. If you're mm-hmm. looking at Everything. biological anomalies and you're coming from the perspective of a hammer, then what isn't a nail?
3: But see, I agree with you, Ben, but it all makes sense to me if you're thinking about the Department of Energy and what was a fairly new type of energy that was being produced in the 50s and 60s? Atomic. Atomic nuclear energy, all that stuff, right? So it makes sense that they would have that specialized group that's sneaking around, checking out warehouses with a Geiger (laughs) counter, just like...
2: And then Mission Creep, Right. Mm -hmm. As ever, uh, mission creep ensued. So, yes, I I also do believe we should do a Z Division episode in the future on stuff they want, you know, because we're we're pretty in the trenches on some of these things, folks. And Z Division, I think it's safe to say, was a surprise for us, especially that the name is so cool. That was well done. Well done. So we have two institutions in the United States claiming that the RONA came from a lab, and this claim, if true, carries a staggering number of terrifying possible implications. We got to know more, says the American public, and rightly so, but when asked for sources on this, uh, the same people officially condo- or condoning or cosigning a lab leak theory, they say that they cannot reveal why they believe so, and I had an awesome Italian accent from The Sopranos that I'm not going to do. But essentially, FBI Director Ray uh, put the American public in a trust me situation. The FBI, notoriously trustworthy, right? Notorious. Students of history.
4: Yeah. kind of Their whole thing, <laughs> you know, lying very well. Yeah. Well,
2: depending. I mean, but how, how different is it, though, from the government of China's initial reactions? at the beginning of the different. public
4: it's never different it's always if there's a lie to be told the government's going to tell it i mean of any government it's just it's just the nature of these kinds of things secrecy you know and and, and trying to pass the buck and and anyway obf- obfuscate the truth mm-hmm. uh maybe i'm being um dire in that perspective but it sure feels like they're all kind of the same yeah it's kind of a pepsi
2: coke thing sometimes which can be very Unhelpful to, to, to uh, people who are looking for something different. But there, there's therein we find a problem, right? There's a cherry of complication on top of this conspiratorial milkshake. Mm. And it, it's this. Sorry. Oh, no, it's perfect. You know, I haven't had a milkshake in years. When's the last time you guys actually had a It's a good confection. I
4: like a malted milkshake. What do you guys think? You like a malt? I'm good with a malt. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't know, no, like a malt, like 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 you know, like you get it in an old diner type joint. You know, kind of tastes like Whoppers. This is how those this crunchy chocolate malted candy balls.
3: Oh yeah, okay. I'm not mad at it. Okay, fair enough.
4: <laughs> you're not.
3: You're not. A, Matt's gonna we're let not, that. We're one not slide. on the first
4: name basis. Okay? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh,
2: I'm familiar with the work. Uh yeah. This this is a problem. This is honestly kind of painful to admit. But the argument about keeping stuff classified is
4: extremely valid. I hate it. I hate that it's true, but it's kind of solid. Just in terms of what, protecting national security, or more specific even than that.
3: Well, it's what we talked about. Gosh, I, I can't even tell you which episodes we've been having this conversation on, but we were talking about how the actual information gained in any kind of intelligence or counterintelligence services is not as important as the methods used to acquire that intelligence, right? There you go. Because that the specific information that you're getting is probably disposable and only has a shelf life of a very short period. But how you got that thing on the shelf, mm. it's like protecting your informants
4: <sighs> in a yes. police situation. Yes, A
2: hundred percent, yeah. I mean, it is quite possible the U.S. needs to cover its collection methods here. If that is the case, then it almost certainly means that the U.S. government has some sort of limited access or visibility into the workings of the Chinese government in this regard, possibly up to the activities of that virology lab in Wuhan. And if they went public with that, it would start a war.
3: It could, it could definitely start a war. It could be really bad. But here's the other thing. I think there's another reason they might want to be protecting it, you guys. Mm-hmm. And I, we found it in a Vanity Fair article from 2022. Let me just pull it up right here. I remember this one. Published in Vanity Fair, March 31st, 2022 by Catherine Eban, E-B-A-N. Uh, title is, This Shouldn't Happen colon, inside the virus hunting nonprofit at the center of the lab leak controversy. And inside this article, it discusses some very interesting connections between a couple of U.S. agencies, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases that a certain Dr. Fauci is associated with. And some research that was being paid for by them that was occurring both in the United States and at a little place in Wuhan, China, really? where Ooh. gain-of-function research was being carried out, again, and paid for through the NIH and that N I A I D thing.
4: Well, that term has been thrown around a bit, and I think I'm still a little foggy on it. Gain of function. It's not exactly what it sounds like. It's sort of referring to a field of of research, right, or of uh, manipulating these types of pathogens. We
3: talked about it a little earlier in, in the episode, but let me get, let me give you this quote from Peter Daszak. D A S Z A K. This is from a BBC News video that you shared, Ben, uh, here's a quick, it's, it's not that quick, but here's a quote. And this comes from 2016. So well before SARS-CoV-19, this is 2016, talking about gain-of-function research in Wuhan, China. Quote, we found other coronaviruses in bats, a whole host of them. Some of them looked very similar to SARS. So we sequenced the spike protein. The protein that attaches to cells. When we, well, I didn't do this work. My colleagues in China did the work. You create pseudo particles. You insert the spike proteins from those viruses and see if they bind to human cells. And each step of this, you move closer and closer to, quote, this virus could really become pathogenic in people. Tight. So you make the viruses. More and more potentially pathogenic to people. Virulent.
4: Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we have exactly. Yes. More, more uh, transmissible, uh, more resistant to, to immunities and things like that. Potentially more right? deadly.
3: And yeah. more deadly.
4: So you're, you're by gain of function, you're giving them additional superpowers.
2: You're leveling them up.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. To see yeah. what happens in a controlled environment that hopefully stays controlled.
2: Cordyceps is sort of okay, but what if we gave it a little gas? Yeah,
4: yeah. But the the end game would be to pretend, you would do this and then see which ones took it the best and then maybe weaponize that. Is that the end game? No, well, the end
3: end game, well, theoretically, you could do that, but that's not the point. That's not why the NIH gives $300,000 to, you know, to study this stuff. It's to see at least on paper,
4: predict down the line what mutations could occur, kind
3: of? Which ones are more likely to occur, and if it does occur, what could we do? What could we do do To evaluate a
2: response, yeah, to game plan and strategize. The issue is, what is not being widely reported, is that this sort of research has a lot in common with uh, nuclear energy development in that you are discovering dual-use technology, Mm -hmm. right? Just like fire, it can... It can cook a hell of a quesadilla, but it, also, it can also burn down your house. And in the case of biological weaponry, the house is millions of people. Yes, So there, there is, I mean, there is a strong possibility there. And just like nuclear enrichment, it's very difficult to discern, as, as you were saying, Matt, between the stated purpose and a possible ulterior motive right now. The world, some of the world's smartest people, are wrestling with these two hypotheses about the origins. And the question is, was this the result of bad hygiene standards at a seafood market? Counterpoint to that, get past some of the racism there. There are quote-unquote wet markets all around the world. Just because you might not see one in your neighborhood doesn't mean they're a unique thing by any means at all. And, and what happened
4: when that when that was floating around? You saw all these viral videos of like kind of horrific things at some of these markets, which you know there 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 are some gnarly things that we maybe in the West wouldn't necessarily be like that's cool, like in terms of you know c- killing live animals and things like that, you know um, that stuff. Def- but when you circulate that stuff based on this, you're doing it to other. The, the people of China and the culture of, of of these kinds of markets. even if it's something that maybe you aren't personally comfortable with, it, it is literally putting out putting it out there to shock people and be like, see, look what's happening over there. Of course, this is where it came from because look what they're doing.
2: Right, right. Uh, and this leads us to the next the next hypotheses, right? was this the result of some sort of sketchy experimentation in a government supported, lab, in an institute. It's a tricky one because regardless of which idea you choose to accept, you will have to inherently accept some sort of conspiracy at play. You have to acknowledge the existence of one or the other in this kind of conversation. And to add, to make this even more complicated, in the U.S., and I would say in the West overall, the politicization The tribalism surrounding this issue has 100% stymied significant progress. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsors. And stay tuned because everybody gets a little hate in this next part. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh,
3: officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it.
5: From iHeart
3: Podcasts.
5: It's
3: like the police knew who he was
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We're back.
2: Sorry, guys, I sounded a little like
4: an insult comic. When we were going to add break, too. Equal cool opportunity. Haters, is what we are. I mean, it's like that disclaimer that comes on before every South Park episode, you know? Yeah, everybody gets some, right? Uh, Matt, you
2: alluded to this beautifully earlier in today's show, guys, politics might be part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, in general, but for this specifically as well.
4: You already alluded to the politicization of vaccinations and all that stuff, stuff that should be kind of a little bit more of a cut and dry thing. But now we're looking, we're drilling in deeper and talking about how politics just as an institution creates the murky waters of all of this stuff inherently. Yeah,
2: shout out to journalist Shirley Gay Stolberg and Benjamin Mueller over at New York Times. They published a, a really solid article quite recently wherein they argue the quote, both Democrats and Republicans have filtered the available evidence through their partisan lenses. And they pointed out, some things that might make people uncomfortable. First off, they point out a lot of uh, more conservative or Republican-identifying, right-leaning politicians automatically glommed on to the lab leak allegations uh, from former President Donald Trump because he's one of the first people in that position of power to speak out about it. And he did it in kind of like an off-the-dome, freestyling way there wasn't at this point any hard evidence supporting that. The FBI, the Department of Energy, they hadn't come out with a statement.
3: No. The weird thing for me, Ben, is that when Director Ray of the FBI came forward, he essentially said the exact same thing that President Trump said back in 2020. Like, yeah, oh yeah, we've known for yeah for sure it came from uh, the Wuhan laboratory. Well, where, what do you, what, yeah, what do you, what do you have? What do you know? I was classified, but yeah, it's definitely a thing. It's so much, so much good information. But I guess that's the point, right? Like why even say it if you can't back it up?
4: A, I don't believe you if you can't show us that you can back it up. And B, it's a political maneuver. That's what it is. That's the only purpose that it serves.
3: Hmm. To me, I think when Trump said it, I think he actually read somewhere in a thing, in some report, right, that it came from that specific place that they'd got some intelligence, right? Uh, it came from there. And just off the dome, he just said it. Like, oh, well, yeah, it came from there. And he's but like, it oh, for shit, him. that's classified. It, it, <laughs> it clicked for his message, though. That it, it
4: totally served his purpose of creating xenophobia and and othering, you know, this, and having someone to blame. And then he started referring to it as the the woo Kung flu and all that stuff and just further politicizing it and making it about othering. That's what he did. I mean, not just in this situation, that's what he does. Well
2: then also, you know, the, uh, the operatives, the elected representatives in the Republican party of the United States had to follow this because at that point in time, it was political suicide to disagree with the serving Republican POTUS. And that happens on uh, That happens in other countries, with other political parties, <laughs> actually much more directly in autocracies and dictatorships. But it also happens uh, with the so-called left of the mm-hmm. United States. On the other side of the aisle, bunch of Democrat-identifying or, you know, you would say more progressive or liberal representatives are automatically poo-pooing the lab leak idea, not because it's bad— but also because they hate this Donald Trump guy. They don't want to be caught in public agreeing with him on anything, not even which police academy movie is best. Obviously, the five. answer is
4: five. I don't know. Are there five? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have to be at least five. Nope. I just remember the first two. No, only four? No, there
2: are like, there's several. Wait, hang on. <laughs> Full disclosure, fellow conspiracy realist, slight disclaimer, things got a little bit heated off air. Uh, We have each other's backs, and we're moving on from the police academy conversation.
4: Police academy is a very divisive subject.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're feeding us copaganda. Uh, Look, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. It's pretty clear that these people were disagreeing with each other because they didn't like the vibe checks. Right, are you not because politicians the are
4: disingenuous, Ben. I
2: mean, no, I think that's a very good point. <laughs> but so they—they they also on the Shocked. left, on the right, uh, on the left side, uh, these political operatives alleged that the Trump administration was pushing this lab leak story to kind of matrix dodge the genuine mishandling of the pandemic. And what's interesting about that is yes, the Trump administration absolutely fumbled the bag on the COVID-19 pandemic. People died as a result. That's not a conspiracy.
4: That happened. Can we can we hearken back to that briefly? Like, was it just it was a failure to act and take it seriously and to just continually politicize it rather than like do something about it, right? That was kind of, am I getting the gist of that right? Isn't it funny how short memory is for such a massive thing? But that's that's the the vibe check that I'm remembering.
2: I feel like that's fair to say, no, uh, because you know, obviously, we and the vast majority of other people in the U.S. we were not in on the inner workings, you know, the cabinet meetings, the the situation rooms, and so on, uh, but. What we can say, and I think this is fair and objective, uh, we saw the administration take a very reactive rather than proactive stance Mm -hmm. uh, to the detriment of the American public. Now, would another administration have done better? It's impossible to know because— But then
4: even when the Biden administration came in, it almost was like, we're going to show you how much better we are than these guys by doing this stuff. And then make and then, you know, claim credit for it. So even that part, like even doing a good job became politicized in its own way.
3: Well, do you really think the lockdown would have happened under a different president? I think it would have. Yes. I think, I think all of the same protocols would have occurred. It was just just a matter of timing, and timing is everything, you know? PPP loan episode. I'm so
2: Mm -hmm. mad that I didn't get in on that. Everybody start an LLC. It's your get you didn't out. Did you get of, that Pokemon card? <laughs> yeah, it's your, it's your get out uh, card. Also, the politics contaminated the world of academia. Uh, and it shouldn't have, but it definitely did. Scientists found themselves taking on another job in the gig economy. They had to become lobbyists. And that sucked. That absolutely sucked. Speaking with scientists who work in related fields. Uh, If you had no strong political affiliation, but you were researching the wrong questions, then you might get blackballed from publishing legitimate scientific work in journals of note. And it's not as if these scientists were knuckleheads. They weren't pushing an agenda. They were doing what good scientists do, asking questions, doing research, following up with more
4: questions. Being a
2: scientist is a lot like being an investigative journalist in that respect.
3: You're
4: like not supposed to have a foregone conclusion before you start your research. That's sort of like called bad science. Yeah, because it can taint the results. I mean, it can taint if you're if you're looking for a particular answer, then that's that's not really pure science. You know, you're, you're, it's almost like. <laughs> rigging the numbers to kind of match whatever conclusion you're being told to arrive at. And again, we've talked about this. I mean, it's it's hard, and there are a lot of scientists that depend on government money, and I'm not saying that folks that are, like, working for the oil companies are necessarily, like, they're not forging results or anything, but they might be exploring selectively, perhaps, you know? There are ways of cutting out certain parts that might give you data that doesn't support what your, you know, overlords want to, to, to have found. Because if you don't give it to them. They're going to find somebody else that will.
2: And even as the lab leak theory finds new official support, you might be surprised to learn that there's ongoing research that seems to provide additional evidence, again, not 100% evidence, but uh, circumstantial evidence that lends credence to the seafood market concept. And it's Pretty solid science because that's again to your point, Noel, that's what science should do. It should investigate everything equally, right? And discover what can be proven or disproven. And the problem is to prove either of these, you gotta get some cooperation from China. It's not happening.
3: Well, is it is it pretty conclusive, Ben? Because it's talking about those raccoon dogs that we mentioned at the top of of the episode here and how the ball maybe boys the uh I said the ball boys. Sorry. I was ball just boys? I don't like oh, just, I don't know. They, they
4: have large testicles. It's a thing.
3: Okay. Well, they, they look like canines and they look like raccoons simultaneously called raccoon dogs. Uh, they, I, I just don't understand it, I guess, because I don't have a subscription to New York Times, and it's a New York Times article. <laughs> I remember looking at this a while ago, though, and I thought that this could be the missing link in this case that has been – kind of pushing me personally towards the lab leak theory, because often you've got wherever the virus originates, right? You know, let's say a bat. Then that bat bites and infects another animal, let's say a raccoon dog. Then that raccoon dog ends up infecting a human. So the virus mutates as it goes from the bat to the raccoon dog to the human. It's It's continuing to mutate as it jumps, right? Because it wouldn't infect a human directly from the from the bat, basically. And for a minute, wasn't the pangolin yes. the
4: uh, the the culprit? And now I'm seeing the National Library of Medicine has a study uh, called COVID-19. Time to exonerate the pangolin from the transmission of SARS-CoV-2 right. to humans.
2: Now, I have a... Uh, no, guys, I, I just want to make sure that I'm conveying myself correctly. I was arguing that neither... Uh, Neither body of research has conclusively proven Okay, anything. I agree. That's yeah. what I was saying.
4: <laughs> okay. I, I, I think that's right. Um, And I think that's where, that's why it's so interesting that the, this, these bold statements are being made by government entities. To what end? And with what foundation? That, that's my question. It seems like very agenda-y.
2: Yeah, and that takes us to a thought experiment. So let's ask one of the most important questions, which is this. What would it mean if COVID was at least partially, purposely created by human beings? First, it means we would have to logically assume there were other projects taking place, if not in the same facility, in the same genre, in other facilities like it, somewhere in China's sphere of influence. I would, I mean, maybe this is a Rubicon too far for some people, but I would also take it to mean we must logically assume the U.S. is conducting similar research. And as a matter of fact, I feel like we have a leg to stand on there.
3: Well, we have a leg to stand on definitely that the U.S. was providing funding. a 100%, yes. For their research. a 100%. And it's one of those things like, look, man, I'll give you all the money. I'll put all the money up. Just you got to do it at your house. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, man, this heist
2: sounds great, bro. I will see you when you get back. Uh, so, okay, second, and this is even scarier, if this were true, this would mean that the experiments creating the infection did not include the creation of a failsafe, some sort of firebreak, or a cure for the infection, which implies it could have been an unintended creation. Typically, if you want to be fun at parties, and you're talking about bioweapons research, remember this. Typically, when you create some kind of weaponized pathogen for research purposes, okay, research purposes, you want to create a thing that's sort of crippled, something with some sort of biological built-in limits against spreading or infecting. Uh, At the very least, if you're being extremely supervillain, You want to have something that you have already created a cure for that remains within your control. That's very difficult to do. Uh, Just logistically, it's very difficult to do something like that and keep it secret long enough for it to be effective. If you want to go sci-fi with it, you can maybe create something that targets genetic markers and still spreads like a virus. That's the dream of dictators and fascists and racists throughout history. It's just not out in the world yet. But it keeps getting me, man, this lab thing. If it was the result of classified experiments, then does that not explain why China has been so reticent to be transparent about it? I mean, they say they're being transparent, but other people are disagreeing with that. Other people being literally the rest of the world.
3: (sighs) I, I'll say this is why this is what I'll th- I'm just get to tell you what I think, guys. And I don't care. I don't care. I think it was the U.S. paying for research in China. Something went wrong or even maybe potentially purposefully went wrong. No, I'm just joking. I'm just kidding with that part, everybody. But I, something went wrong and it leaked. Right. And now you've got the two world superpowers, both culpable for a global pandemic. And both both sides are like. We should probably uh, not tell anyone, right? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's
2: a <chappaquiddick> it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah uh,
3: uh. Let's
2: Chernobyl it. Let's Chernobyl it. We'll get you a new <laughs> island. Again, it's going to have four miles this time. Five miles. Who cares? You know what I mean? You're a good kid. Uh, so what does this mean? It means that right now, the public of the world has a large body of circumstantial yet not conclusive evidence for both the market and the lab hypotheses. And the U.S. government seems a house divided on this question. Why does it matter? It does matter because here's the harsh truth. This is not a conspiracy. Another global pandemic is statistically inevitable, as long as human beings exist at the current stage in which they find themselves. There are just too many indications that human society is fundamentally unprepared to tackle a global problem of this nature. See also other examples, terrorism, international corporations, the coming wars over drinkable water. Uh, There's a ton of stuff we didn't get to here, Uh, at which point I think— no, well, Matt, I think we need our fellow conspiracy realist help to answer questions like cutting past the political theater and all the BS, cutting past the geopolitical mean girls club that is uh, global relations. What theory do you find most credible, folks? Why does the U.S. seem divided? When will the next pandemic hit? I think we officially start taking bets. Sure.
3: And before we tell you how you can contact us and tell us what you think about all this, I want to put one name in everybody's head that you can do a little research on if you wish. Look up Christian Anderson, K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. Christian Anderson. There's a New York Times article that we found in the run-up of this episode called Scientist Opens Up About His Early Email to Fauci on Virus Origins... And it is a thread you can follow for several days. We'd love to know what you think.
4: Please let us know. Uh, You can reach us on uh, all the social medias of choice, uh, whichever one you prefer. We are Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube. Uh, It's technically not a social media platform, but we are there. Uh, We are also on Facebook, where we have our group, Here's Where It Gets Crazy, and on Twitter, Conspiracy Stuff. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. And if you
2: don't sip the social meads, but uh, you like you like confessions, you like sharing stories over telephonic devices, we've got your back there as well. Just give us a call, say it with me, one stdwytk You'll hear a hopefully familiar voice, you'll hear a beep like so, beep, and then you'll have three minutes. Those three minutes are yours. Go nuts, go hog wild. Tell us what's on your mind. Let us know if we can use your name and or voice. Give yourself a cool nickname. And most importantly, if you have more to say, uh, then send us an email instead. We still read every single email we get. Personally, it's my best way to contact people. All you have to do is drop us a old fashion line at our
3: address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm
0: Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies
4: Binge the season of the Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.